Hey, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Can we just do this together? Can we just, can we just pause for a minute and just take a deep breath like this? Like, because ah, ah. it's that time of year. It's that time of year. Your kids are out of school. Your job is probably has already or is just about to like shift into low gear, you know, when you don't get anything done. It's really fun. <laughs> you probably have, uh, your kids are probably done. If you have kids, you're probably done with school, and they probably brought home some sickness. So welcome to the people online <laughs> with your kids. You know, hopefully they're not throwing up or anything. Uh, we're praying for them. Ah, so much going on, you know, a general feeling of anxiety that comes in Christmas. And now you finally get to pause, and then you get to start to think about all the things you forgot to do. Wonderful. So let's just put that stuff away for a minute, okay? Let's take a moment this morning and, you know, put all those things, those anxieties, our concerns on hold, because they'll be waiting for you later today. You can think about those later. Um, and let's just take a minute and uh, just think about the Lord. And so i just like to pray, if you wouldn't, join, if you wouldn't mind joining me in pray, praying, um, because I need to be prepared for this, and you need to be prepared for this, and we just need to uh, welcome the Spirit to just speak to us this morning. So, so let's do that together. Uh, Lord God, we um, thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness, Lord. We thank you for Christmas, Lord. And it is a busy season, um, Lord, but we want to rest in the middle of it. Lord, we want to see you in the middle of it. We want to hope in you and uh, just be excited, excited for what you're doing in the world. And Lord, what it means uh, that you've come, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, let us see that and know, know it, Lord. Let us, in the midst of all this busyness, not, not lose sight of your grace to us, Lord. Lord, you're so good. And Lord, would you just come and remind us this morning of your goodness in your word. Lord, would you just, by your spirit, just be, be present here with us. Lord, would you build us up? We ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, so we're um, going through a Christmas series. It's called Hope is Born. And like we talked about it last week, we, we kicked things off last week, and we were just thinking about the incarnation, you know, thinking the fact, about the fact of what we actually celebrate at Christmas, that God himself has come down, he's born to the world, he's taken on flesh. Um, it's a big deal. It changes everything. It, it's a significant thing that Jesus was born. And just to recap really quick, I mean, Jesus' birth changes everything. It, it's a big deal because it, it's disorienting to us. It's disorienting. Uh, if we take it for what it is, then all the things in life that we've, we've cared about, that we've put, put first, all the anxieties that we bear, all the things that we obsess over, all the things we think are most important to life, if we consider the fact that God is born into the world and that he's, he's knowable and he's just like breaking into the world, it's disruptive, it's disorienting. We consider those things in light of what is happening and what we celebrate here at Christmas. Suddenly, life gets reoriented around Jesus. It's disorienting, but it's reorienting. We are reoriented around this person, Jesus Christ, because he is hope born into the world. God is knowable. That's what we celebrate. God is knowable. He's personal. He wants to be known. He wants to be into, in this world. He wants to be involved in it. That is a remarkable thing. And he comes, is born into the world, and he is our hope in the middle of it. All of history, everything is directed at him. All of it is for him. He's come as the one to be known. 
And in, 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 when he's coming, comes, we, we recognize, right, that he's, like, committing to us. He's committing to this world. He's committing to be a part of it. He's not going to be distant. He's going to be drawing near. That's the, the sort of thing that was very clear when we think about the incarnation. He's committed to the work of restoring, redeeming, and renewing the world, of taking away sin, of forgiving people, of calling them out, of changing this world, transforming it. And that changes everything because we recognize he has this personal commitment to us, right? It's not abstract. It's very real. It's very tangible. And that, his, his personal commitment to us invites our personal commitment to him. That was the recap of last week. Go back and listen to it if you want, if you had some questions, right? But hope is born into this world and Jesus comes as the object of our hope. He's, he's worth hoping in. His promises are worth hoping in. He is one that we can surely trust in. Leslie Newbegin, who, who I like a lot, and I have a couple of quotes by him this week. Sorry, you know, he's my holiday go-to guy. I just, he just gets it. He says this, hope in the Bible is an eager and patient waiting for something which is good and something which is sure because God has promised it. Jesus is born into the world, and he is the object of our hope. He's good. And God's promises are being fulfilled in him. God is changing everything through Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, and you know this if you tried this, hope is hard. Continuing to hope, living around hope in Jesus Christ is hard. It is not something that is uncontested. Your hope is always being contested. See, Jesus comes into the world. He's the object of our hope. He's, he's the good. He's, he's the promised one. And we are, it's our part to like receive him by just, just putting our hopes in him. To eagerly and patiently wait for him. But that is hard. It's hard because, like I said, our hope is, is, is contested. You and I are like a fire hose that's been turned on, but no one's holding it. You ever seen that? I tried to download some YouTube videos. They don't let you do that anymore because of laws. Um, I didn't want to go onto a, you know, a pirating website because that seemed wrong for a pastor to do that. But anyways, there was this cool YouTube video, and right, and it's just the, they, they, they train fire, firemen to, you know, what to do in order when, when, when a hose gets loose, and so they just, they put it out in the middle of nowhere, and everybody else stands back, and they make the one guy go out there, right, and they turn the hose on, and the hose is like doing like, like this, you know, because like, all the water coming out through it. That, wasn't that good? That's my workout for the day. I didn't hurt myself. Miracle. It's like, it's like... <laughs> You're, you're, you, the thing is, like, you are like a fire hose. Like, you're always desiring, you're wanting, you're hoping in something, right? But it's hard to keep our hope directed. Our hope is always going to other things. It's flailing around. We want things. We desire things. We love things. And it's just coming out of us so quickly. And we don't know how to control it. We don't know how to do what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.13, to set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We don't know how to set our hope upon him definitively, right? It's constantly contested. We're doing this thing where we're trying to figure out how is it that I continue to set my hope and steadily seek him in the day-to-day -day stuff of life. When I want other things and when I understand that I you know, have this like disoriented, reoriented kind of thing, but I'm, I'm still like, I don't reorient very well. 
right? I, I'm not good at it. I want, I want Jesus, but I also, I want a Tesla, as you know. We've talked about that before, right? I want, no, 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 happy that you got a Tesla. I'm not, I'm not in, in any way jealous. It wouldn't work for my life. We've, we've talked about this before too much. Uh, you know, I want Jesus, but I also want um, I want to do well in my career. I, I want to I set my hope upon Jesus that, that, that everything, everything good would just come from him. But I also want a degree of control over my life. I want to set my hope upon Jesus, but I also like, don't want to deal with all the political and weirdness of the world. Like I want Jesus, but I don't want conflict. And so we, we, we struggle getting a hold of the fire hose of all the things we want and setting it upon Jesus. But what we recognize at Christmas is that hope is born into the world and God has supplied us the true and good and right object of our hope. It is Jesus Christ. We can set our hopes upon him and just continue to hold them steady there. We need to learn how to do it. It's not easy. It's not easy. So how do we do it? How do we learn the capacity to set our hope on Jesus? Okay, here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to apologize for it right at the outset. I'm going to totally mix the metaphor. And in fact, not only am I going to mix the metaphor, because I talked about the fire hose before, I'm going to give you an opposite metaphor. That's a fire. You need to start a fire. Not, I know, it's really rude and unhelpful. Like I go from fire hose, which puts out fire, and then I tell you to start a fire, and it's just awful, and I, I apologize. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Okay, so put the fire hose away. Forget about the fire hose. And how do you have hope? You set a fire. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, even as I say it, it's, it's just awful. Uh, I'm sure none of you would be surprised to know <laughs> that when I was young, I was into historical reenacting. You look at me and you think, yeah. That's a guy who is definitely dressing up as a frontiersman for his summers. That track. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate that affirmation. I'm seen. <laughs> um, and so I know a thing or two about making a fire. I mean, also about leather work and tomahawk throwing, but also making a fire with a flint and steel from nothing, right? It's, it's, it's a skill I have. If it ever goes down, come and find me. I'll teach you, okay? You ever need to figure that out. Um, here's the thing about making your own fire, is that it is a bit of a process, right? To get a fire going from nothing, you know, not with matches, not with gasoline, but from nothing, it takes a little bit, right? You take, like, again, my middle school self dressed like a weirdo, and I have my flint and steel, and I would, I would strike it, and you'd get a spark, Right? And then what you have to do is you have to take that little spark, that little amount of heat, and then you just have to figure out, well, how do you grow it into, into this big fire? And it involves steps. It involves a few steps. There's kind of a, a progressive way of doing it. So you, you take the flint and steel, and you get the spark, and then you have this thing called char cloth, which is what it sounds, cloth that's been charred, and it catches the spark. And then you take, like, some, some stuff that kind of looks like a bird would make his nest from, right? And then you get some hay and some straw, and you just kind of kindle it, and you blow on it, and it catches fire. And then eventually you need to put some sticks on top of it, and those catch fire. And then you put some logs in, and then you have a fire. But it involves this process 
of going from something small and then taking that small thing and growing it and growing it and growing it until you have a raging fire. And what I'm telling you is that this is what it looks like to start to have hope in your life. It starts with a spark. Jesus is the spark. He's just coming. He's sparking. He's lighting up the world in a dark place. A spark looks really big. And what we're told to do is to hold on to, to lean into, to seek out that spark. And so you're just like the char cloth. You're coming up. You're receiving that spark and you're beginning to burn. But you need to grow that fire. And he's going to help you do that. You need to fuel that fire with hope. So how do you do that? How do you take the spark and the, the, the small thing that starts going, and how do you stoke it into a fire? Well, you fuel it. You fuel it, right? So the first thing you do is, is, is you start to fuel it. And in this instance, again, you take some kindling. You take things that burn quickly and not as hot, and you slowly build up to things that burn slowly and hot, hotter. So you start with what you have. Number one is, is you have to do is you have to, you have to know what you're looking forward to. Again, getting away from the fire me- metaphor and thinking about a little bit about how we do this internally with ourselves. We need to know what we have to look forward to. We need to know, okay, if, I'm, if hope is born into the world and Jesus is my hope, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does it mean for me to experience that hope and lean into it and live into it? And that's what all the scriptures are all about. They're, they're, they're Paul and Jesus and, and, and Peter and all these other uh, apostles are going around the world and telling us, this is what it means that hope is in the world and that you would receive that hope. We read about in Romans 8. I mean, I think it's a great example of, of a picture of what it means for me personally to know what I have to look forward to in Christ and in trusting him. Paul says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That's what you have to hope in. That's what you have to look forward to. you've, You've caught fire. You've received this word from the Lord, and it brings life into your life. And suddenly the spirit of God, the same spirit that was at work in Jesus Christ, which raised him from the dead, is now working in you. In the midst of all your suffering and all your pain and all your what feels like death and dying, you can say, no, I understand that I have a great hope. I have something to look forward to because the Holy Spirit is now living within me. So I have clarity. I have clarity now about what it means to have the Lord in my life, to have him starting to work within me. And that starts to be like, like a fire. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm given life by the same Spirit that's raised Jesus Christ. And that same power that lived in him and brought him back to life, it's living in me and it's living in you. And so we can expect that kind of resurrection life. Even in the midst of dark things, even in the midst of difficulty. Right now, God is within you. He's working the same renewal and the same strengthening into your life that was working in Jesus Christ. But we need to understand this, right? Just because we have the Spirit at work within us doesn't mean that we're going to have an easy time all the time, right? It would be a, I think, misappropriation of hope to just say, okay, Spirit of God working within me, I'm not going to have any problems anymore. Right? The thing about resurrection is that it is always preceded by death, (laughs) Right? There would be no Easter without the crucifixion. 
we, 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 we misunderstand the shape of our hope if we don't understand that something else is going on in this world and that the Holy Spirit who's living within us is working in the midst of difficulty and trial. And so that's why hope is hard. Because it doesn't feel great to hope all the time. Because we're sitting in the middle of an unfolding story and the experience of hope is difficult precisely because that's what the Bible said it would be like. Romans uh, 8.21, a, pa- uh, a little bit past where we were at here, says, The creation look f- looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death to decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers are also we groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, and we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including a new, bo- new bodies that he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. So it's not that, oh, I have the Holy Spirit working within me, and Jesus is coming to the world, and so I'm never going to have any problems. It's that he is like, um, the, the, the biblical language is like, he's like a down payment to, 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 to which I could have a, have a hope that I'm going to, I mean, like when you buy a house, right? You put it down a down payment. You don't own that house, but you have this full expectation that the, at the end of the term, you're going to own that house. So you still are going through difficult things in the middle, middle of the world, but, but you still you have these promises. You have this hope. God is working it out. Leslie Newbegin, again, he says this. The world is interpreting this passage. He's commenting on this passage. He says, the world is in pain, and we ourselves are in pain, but it's not meaningless pain. It is the pain of childbirth, a new creation. A new world is coming to birth, a world which will uh, be the, the, the world of God's redeemed and free children. We share in the pangs of childbirth for this new creation. What lies ahead for us, the things uh, we hope for, is not just our personal renewal, but the renewal of the whole cosmos, the whole creation, so that it may no longer be a world of frustration, but be a reflection and instrument of God's glory. You know, if I am struggling in the midst of of difficult times and struggling to hope, then I just need to see how much bigger and better God's plan is than the little things that I flail about and try to satisfy my hope with. What's unfolding in the middle of this world, we're told, is that God is entering into the world. His spirit is is at work. And through the midst of pain, it's like the pain of childbirth. There will be life on the other side of it. And not just life for you, not just, oh, you're going to make it through, it's going to be great. But the renewal of all things is what's happening. You want to have hope, see the big picture, see what you hope for. God is at work. He's pouring out his grace and his kindness in the midst of a suffering world, but he's going to redeem it. It's not meaningless pain. The difficulties that we go through, in the context of what God is doing, they make sense. They're like birth pangs. You know, no mother ever went into labor and was just like, wait, it's going to hurt? You know about that beforehand. 
There's some pain going on in life, but it's pain that we want to endure because there's such great hope on the other side. If you're going to have hope, you need to know what you have to look forward to. That's how you take that spark and you grow it a little bit into a flame. You start to have hope as you have clarity about what you're hoping for. Which, you know, if you need clarity, read scripture. I just was able to tell you all this because I read the book of Romans, right? If I want to know what it is I'm hoping for, then I need to go in and understand, well, what's the substance of the hope? You know, I need to go back to the Gospels. I need to read what Jesus tells me I can hope in. I need to go back and see what Paul and Peter and, and, and John and all the other writers of Scripture are telling us what we can hope in. There's something clear. There's something that will, it, as we see it, it will help us get through the other side. It will help us tend and steward and grow our hope. If you want that hope, read Scripture. Spend time in the Word. But of course, what we do when, we, when we're building a fire from nothing, like we, we start with something, we start to get a, a flame going, and then we go ahead and we start to add more on. We add, we add kindling to our little uh, you know, straw that's burning up really, really fast, and then it starts to blow, burn slower and hotter. We add something else. So what do you do in that next step? This is, like, this is a, related to what I was talking about last week about like personal commitment. Number two is that you give yourself to hope. You understand that in order to hope, like, I need to, to kind of invest myself a little bit in this process, right? Because, you know, we would love to think that we can go through life and since we have the Holy Spirit that everything's going to be easy. easy. It's going to be difficult. But I think what the, what, what the Bible is telling us is actually that we need to invest ourselves. We need to put our hope on the line and we need to live out through the midst of difficult times and just say, and just learn to, what it is to go through, through pain and difficulty and yet have hope. Jesus says this in, John, in, in Matthew 16, 24. If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? We have trouble, I think, sometimes, particularly as American Christians, reconciling these two parts of the Bible, like that we have great promises and great hope, and yet if we read Jesus, we also have this call to give up ourselves. How do you make sense of those two things? Well, the reality is that in order to take hold of the great promises of the life-giving work of the Spirit, we have to surrender ourselves and give ourselves up. It requires personal investment. It requires Going ahead and, and saying that, well, if I'm going to have hope, then I need to go ahead and subject myself to that hope. The kind of hope that hopes in the midst of difficult things. The kind of hope that says, even when things get tough, no, I have yet reason to believe and endure and go through these things. I still have reason to entrust myself to a God who oversees and cares about me. Who sees me even when I'm suffering. And who's going to bring life and peace and joy on the other side of it. And that's when hope gets the most difficult. We would prefer to have hope in the abstract, hope that doesn't have to get real. I would prefer to have that kind of hope, theoretical hope. But honestly, to go from a small flame 
to, to a flame that's going to last, the only way is to fuel the fire. The only way is to get personal about hope. That's why Jesus says this. He's not sadistic. Jesus doesn't like to make you suffer, but he understands that what needs to go on for, for you to have hope, for you to have the kind of faith that's real and that's lasting and that's going to endure through the difficulties of life, you need to give yourself over to it so that you'll believe it. Anything I believe, I've really come to experience and know deeply. This is a process that Jesus is laying out. You don't earn anything by suffering, but through going through difficulty, laying yourself down, picking up your cross and following after Jesus, you come to an assurance that won't be taken from you. I think I can do algebra, but I haven't for like 20 years. To, to have a kind of hope and a confidence that goes through difficulty, I need to be in practice. I need to practice that hope and live into it. And just like a fire needs logs to burn long to, to, to put out heat, your hope needs you to be personally invested in it in order to be sustained. If, if, you, if you withhold a log, the little flame that you started, it goes out. It won't last long, right? It gets real when we start to put the logs on. So if you try to hang on to your life, you try to hang on to the many other hopes in your life, right? And try to just, just, just I don't want to say compromise, but that's what I mean, you know? You try to say, oh, I'll just have a little bit of this hope in Jesus and a little bit of these other hopes and I'll, I'll just pursue everything. You end up with nothing. <laughs> You've got to put it on the line. You've got to say, no, if I'm going to hope in Jesus, that means whatever comes, he is my hope. And I'm going to continue to do this. I am not saying... I am not saying that we need to be just somber, downcast people who are just like, well, life is difficult, things are hard, I'm just going to, just going to, we shouldn't be the sort of people who expect pain, please, don't, don't think, oh, following Jesus, I should expect things to be difficult, no, you shouldn't expect things to be difficult, but you should be ready if they do become difficult, that's all I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is exactly what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes along you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Don't be surprised, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you also may rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you want to step into the fullness of hope, then we just understand that, okay, hope is, hope is the kind of hope that can endure and is durable no matter what comes. It's the kind of hope that is great when things are comfortable and God blesses and I'm just like so excited. And it's the sort of hope that still can sustain me when things are difficult, when I am on fire, <laughs> when I'm enduring a fiery trial. Don't think something's unusual is happening. When you're going through difficult things, don't be surprised. When trial comes, we don't need to get, and this is it. This is the hard part. This is the hard part. This is the, exactly the most difficult part. When trials come, we don't need to get, or perhaps I don't mean we don't need to get, we don't need to stay 
discouraged or angry or resentful or avoidant. We need to just say, okay, my God's faithful even in these things. And that's the hard part. Honestly, it's a totally, it's a habit that needs to be developed. Because if logs could get up and walk out of the fire, they would. (laughs) And you have a great agency in your life. You can abandon the hope. You absolutely can. You can walk away from it and just say, I'll just go hope in something else. But the way of, of like following Jesus is the way of just surrendering ourselves, taking up our cross and just saying, Lord, I know you can get me through these difficulties. And in fact, I know I will know you better and know, have a great fellowship with you and see your glory through these things. This is not a side road. This is, I will have hope through these things. I don't need to just get around these things. In the midst of difficulty, I will see you. Friends, that is so hard to believe when you're in the middle of pain. And yet, Christians have been pursuing this hope for generations. And I just want to remind you of that. Peter knew it. Every generation of Christians needs to come and understand that we can rejoice in the midst of suffering, not because it's going to be easy, but because we're going to see and meet the Lord in the midst of it. If you want to have a hope that can make it through those things, then, then, then understand this is the task. This is the thing you need to set your mind to. You come and you hope even in the midst of difficulty. And then finally... I'm just going to say this, if we want to fuel hope, if we want to go from, you know, a little spark to a small fire to kindling fire to a fire with, with, with a log, then we also need to just add some more logs, which is to say that we need to, <laughs> this sounds a little bad, <laughs> burn together. <laughs> oh, that's, oh gosh, that sounds really morbid, yeah. The fire, the fire image is a little somber, it's a little hard, um, but, but... Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. It's nice, right? It's Christmas. This is a Christmas series, I swear. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. That doesn't feel very... Where are the wise men? They're not here today. They show up two years later, actually. Fun fact. It's a long way from Babylon. <laughs> okay. Look it. I mean, we know how this is. If you've built a fire... I bet you have. (laughs) You built a fire. It grows. The thing about a fire is that if you just have like a single log sitting on a fire, it might burn for a little while, but it'll burn way better if you put other logs around it. And here's what I see like in the church. And it's, I think it's a suburban church problem and we're kind of a suburban church, right? is that a lot of times, like, number one, we we do two things. Um, We either, when when we start to go through difficulty, right, and maybe even we're hoping in the middle of it, like maybe we're even persevering in the middle of it, but what we start to do is is we just start to get away from, from other people. We isolate. And I think we do that because... As a culture, we don't do a good job with suffering. We don't know how to deal with it. 
just, we're already on our back foot in that res- respect. Like, we don't like death. We don't like pain. We like to just brush those things aside and think about nice things. And that can come into the church. And so, so people, like, go through, through pain and they go through difficulty and they, they get very isolated and they, they get alone. And it's, it's like, that is, that is a problem for you. Like, if you are isolating yourself in the midst of pain, that's, that's, that's a hard thing for you to go through. Just, like, in and of itself. It's also bad for the whole fire. I realize I'm putting a bunch of ethics on logs, and that seems like a little bit of an imposition, but it, it becomes difficult to sustain a fire when the log that's a burning puts itself away from the others. The thing is, every single Christian needs to learn what it is to go through difficulty and yet hope. And so if you're going through difficulty and you're isolating yourself, and I don't mean to like put a burden on you, but I'm saying the rest of the logs need to know what it is to burn. They need to, they need to catch fire. They need to catch fire. Like, like it is not, it, it should not be a thing that happens, and it happens in the church, it happens in our church, it happens in every church, where people go through difficulty and they just, they just kind of go away. Like, like, people who are in the midst of, of pain should just like, like sit in the middle of the fire, and we should all learn from them and encourage them. And so don't, when you're, first of all, it's like a two-way street. Don't, when you are in difficulty, isolate yourself, just say, Hey, here I am. I'm going through something. It kind of hurts. Put that out there. Don't just say, oh, I don't want to bother people. I'll just go over here and suffer in the corner by myself. Like, because number one, like, like other people need to catch fire. And number, number two, like, don't, if you're somebody who's around somebody, don't like, don't let them isolate. Don't, don't distance yourself from them. I do this all the time. I'm a, I'm a very insecure person. Um, and I don't like to bother people. I think of my presence as bothering people. This is my, my number one insecurity, which I'm just happily sharing with you this morning. Um, and so what I do when people are going through a difficult time is, is I just like back off because I think, oh, they're already, they've already got too much. I wouldn't want to bother them by asking them how they're doing. Right? Um, I have to stop that. I have to stop that. We have to stop that. We just got to stop. We've got to be people who impose. Okay? Permission. Be a little nosy. Ask people how they're doing. If they're, if they're suffering, just like, don't just say, oh, let me fix that for you, because you can't. But just say, how can I pray for you? What's the Lord telling you in the middle of all this? Like, if you're going through a difficult season, what can I learn from you about so that I'm prepared when I'm going through the difficult season? Because this is the skill that the church has to be like. Like, we have to understand because we're the only ones who have this kind of hope. If the church can't learn to do this and learn to do it and multiply it, like, like as, in terms of learning as disciples, like, how to go through suffering, then I'm not sure. I'll just say this. We just have to learn how to do it. We just have to learn how to do it. It's good for us to learn, to go through difficulty, to surround one another, and, and to just come, like, like in, in, in one ways, it's like, it's like you have to think of yourself when you're going through a difficult time and yet trying to hope as serving other people in the middle of that. 
what Jesus' attitude was, right? We looked at Philippians 2 last week, right? He didn't consider equality with God like something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bond servant. This is the thing. If I am going through difficulty, I can take that pain and turn it into a way to better my brothers and sisters if I just hope through it and I let my life be like, like, like be a witness instead of isolating myself and hiding myself and just saying, oh, don't worry about me, I'm fine, I'll be fine in my corner by myself. I can come in and serve people and just say, yeah, I'm really having a hard time. It's really difficult. Don't know up from down, but I'm still trying to hope. I'm still setting my, my hope that Jesus is going to come through it. And I can just be honest about that. Understand you're not serving anyone by isolating yourself. And I don't like to put that burden on people who are suffering. It's like, do I really have to serve? I think you do. I think, I think you'll actually find that there's good things for you when you suffer amongst people who love you and you don't isolate yourself. And the final thing I'll say about this is that I've noticed this in the church, not just this church, every church I've been a part of, is that sometimes when we're going through hard things and when our hope is clear in the midst of it, we can actually get resentful of those who don't see it. And so if you're going through a hard time and, and you're suffering and you're saying, I'm hoping in Jesus, don't say, I'm hoping in Jesus, what's wrong with all these other people? <laughs> Understand, Jesus looked at a, a world that, man, people were just, they didn't know anything. Mark 2 says, like, they were like, Jesus saw the, the crowds and they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Like, understand, like, if you are going through a difficult time, don't look around at people and say, man, these people just don't get it. Say, they don't get it. But I'm here, like, like my life, like I'm going to go through my pain and my suffering, and I'm going to have hope in the midst of it to, for the sake of serving other people. I'm not going to resent them that they don't get it. Because the fact is that, like, we all go through seasons where we're on fire or not. Like, I mean, I, like, this is really hard for me. Like, like I'm, a, I'm a pastor. Like, this is literally my job. Um, and I think sometimes people look at me and they think, where's his fire? <laughs> And I have to say, honestly, like, sometimes I don't have it. Sometimes I actually need, I need your fire. Can I have your fire? And people think, well, you're supposed to have the fire. I just don't think that's the way it is. Guys, like, we're, we're one fire here. We're, we're burning. Some of us are burning hotter than others. I need your fire. I don't always have the passion. I don't always have the clarity. I don't always have the, the joy or the hope or the right words or the right attitude. Oftentimes, my attitude is bad. I'm from New England. I can't help it. It's, we're just cynical people, you know? Got to get that out of me, right? None of us is called to be the body. Bodies are called to be together so that they'll complete, be complete with their separate parts coming together and be one. Some of you guys are going to burn hotter than others. So thankful for you that you can lend us your heat and your hope and teach us how to hope in the same way. You're going to be in different seasons and different times of life. You're going to need to know what it is to hope in the Lord in different times. And sometimes we just need to rely on one another, and it ought not be 
I mean, Paul goes to great lengths to talk about this. No judgment on where people are at. Like, we're here in this together. We're learning to hope together. John 12, 24 through 26, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it to eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You know, when we're in the midst of a difficult time and it feels like we're, we're, we're going through pain and suffering, it can be very easy to look around at other people and get resentful. But Jesus says, hey, look, you just keep following me. I'll take care of the details. I'll take care of the other things. I want to just encourage you guys in the middle of that. The worship team is going to come up here. Oh, I didn't go too long. I thought this was going to be long. Let's go another 20. No, I'm just joking. Uh, worship team is going to come up here. Um, You know, at the end of last, last Sunday, I just came up and I asked some of you guys, um, I asked, well, I didn't ask some of you guys, I asked everybody, I said, I, said, I was going to fast a little bit, I was going to encourage you guys to fast a little bit, and, um, and so that was last week, and, and you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like, um, I kind of like was like hesitant to say that, because it kind of like sounds like alarmist, like, oh, you got to fast, there must be a big problem, it wasn't that. It's that I just looked around at people, and I'm like, you know what? Everybody's kind of sick, literally, and everybody's a little tired, and everybody's a little busy, and I feel like we're all just like isolated flames, you know? And, you know, it's, it's those times when we're isolated that, that our enemy can take advantage, right? Can snuff people out. But it's hard to put out a flame that's burning together, Right? You got 70 candles, I can, I can blow a few out, right? But I can't just walk up to a, a campfire that's raging and, <sighs> that's going to actually just make it go stronger, isn't it? So my hope is that as we're pursuing the Lord together, that we're drawing near to each other, we're burning together, that we're learning to hope together. Those who are contributing more are doing so just like, hey, I'm so thankful that I could go through this thing and demonstrate the kindness of God in the midst of my life. And those who are going through easy times, could we just have the eyes to see suffering people as people that we can learn from and care for? Get close to those people, not separate from them? That would be a way of serving them. And so I'm going to keep praying this week. I'm going to keep praying for all of you. I know life is not fair sometimes. That's the thing. All of this seems unfair. Why can't everybody just have the same problems and the same difficulties? Why can't we all just like be the same? The truth is that some people have gone through, through, through great pain and continue to go through great pain, and it just seems unfair. Guys, we just need to serve people in the midst of all of that. There will be a, a good produce, good harvest coming through the middle of all that. I want to just leave you with one final, final quote that I just like really loved, and I'm just going to read it slowly here. At the end of the journey is the holy of the city of God. He that endures to the end shall be saved, 
said our Lord. We are saved now, Paul says, but in hope. And when our faces are turned towards the city and our feet are set on the track that Jesus trod before us, we are saved by hope. The end is not a private joy, but a social joy. It's the joy of God and his people together. If we have understood that, we will understand why there is need for patience, for endurance, and also for action and unceasing commitment to do his will in this world, to work with him to bring the world and all men to the end for which they were created. There will be times when the way is dark and we seem to be alone, but God is faithful who has promised to give us his kingdom. God is faithful. That is our security. We know that he can never fail. And so if I'm leaving you with one thing as you head into Christmas and all this busyness, it's just those words. God is faithful. That's our security. We know that he can never fail. Can we learn to say that to one another? To say that to ourselves? To be people who just live by this, this proclamation? God is faithful. That's our security. We know that he can never fail. Can we be people who live into that reality and who just say, yes, Lord, make my life a witness to that fact. Even through pain, even through difficulty, we'll have victory because you do not fail us, Lord. Let's be people who know that well and encourage one another in that. Amen? All right. Hey, let's stand up. Let's worship together. <laughs>